Welcome back to another episode of the Keen Late Podcast, the premier whiskey podcast with the, without the mention of whiskey in its title whatsoever. Wilson uh, is along here with me. This is Jay Cookie, your co-host. And hey, we are young all, world. Oh, there you go. A little early. I was trying to set yeah, you up for that. That's all right. <laughs> your, voice, your voice sounds good today, though. I appreciate it. Well, we are out on location once again to record another podcast. Um, Mike Mourinho is back on, who was, I think, episode four or five on one of our very first podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he was. Yeah, good old right, Matt Brown right. brought, him, brought him by Beguile Brewing, and we uh, oh, recorded Matthew. a nice podcast there. So if you haven't checked that out, I would uh, suggest go listen to that one before this guy. But um, we have the pleasure of coming to Mike's place this time, and he's not coming to us. We are at his new bar, Ositos. Congratula- yeah. Congratulations on the opening, and welcome to the podcast yeah, once again. Felicidades. This is beautiful. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah it's uh, been almost two years in the making uh, from when I originally started um, with the grant process and um, everything else. So when I think about it, it feels like it's went by quickly. But when I look <laughs> back, two years is quite quite yeah. some time to make this vision come to life. You mentioned grant. Uh, that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask you. Um, your business, your family's staple here in Little Village, um, and I was. How friendly is the ward in regards to newer business and not just long-standing businesses? And was your grant process a difficult one, or was it easy because of a lack of, you know, minority-owned businesses of this magnitude? Um, so when you're talking about new businesses, definitely. I mean. First of all, it's important to understand the neighborhood that we're in. Right. Yes. I mean, we're in Little Village. Right. So a uh, little bit of background about Little Village. First of all, this has always been an immigrant community. Mm-hmm. So first it was the English, and then Germans started moving over to um, Bohemian, mm-hmm. kind of a Czech neighborhood. There was a short period of time where there were some Polish immigrants that moved in here. Mm-hmm. But um, for at least the last 40-so years... It, um, it was really starting to turn into a uh, Mexican-Latino neighborhood. Gotcha. Um, so this neighborhood right here is heavily focused on kind of local businesses. So it, it, yes and no when it comes to new businesses coming to the neighborhood. I think the neighborhood wants to know who's moving in. You know, what does this business actually care about the community? Uh, this is a very politically active community. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we're all aware of what, you know, is going on over in Pilsen, gentrification, yeah. everything. So people in Little Village are definitely um, fighting that tremendously. However, as far as, as uh, getting the grant and getting uh, permission to have, have this bar, uh, I wouldn't say it was very hard. I mean, our mm-hmm. business has been here, Moreno's Liquors, for uh, 42 years. My mm-hmm. family has been in the community for over 60 years, my grandfather actually lives across the street. Well, my grandparents, I should say, live across the street from the store and bar. And we can see their house from right here. <laughs> Gorgeous house. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, it's literally right there. Anywhere you see green is... Uh, That's them, right? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. cool. Or is that them walking past? Oh, no. Sorry, I thought they were out there. Because <laughs> they, they walk like two miles every day. Oh, good for oh, them. Good for yeah, them. That's it's, awesome. It's That's where they're active. Yeah. Healthy, yeah. I, I mean, my grandfather's 96 years old, so I don't think you can live that old unless you're, you're exercising continuously. <laughs> That's so cool. But, um, but yeah, so um, it was actually our old alderman, uh, Rick Munoz, who uh, I had gone to, and I told him, hey, you know, I have this vision for opening a bar. He had recently opened up the moratorium in the neighborhood for allowing liquor licenses okay. uh, for a good, I want to say since the late 80s, maybe mid 80s. Mm-hmm. 
they put a moratorium in this neighborhood, so you were unable to actually open up any new bars or mm-hmm. liquor stores or anything with a liquor license other than maybe restaurants. Oh, wow. wow. Um, and the neighborhood has changed and progressed drastically over the years. Mm-hmm. So when I heard that he had opened up, I immediately went over to him, told him about, you know, kind of my vision. Mm-hmm. And shortly after that, I was at the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Awards. And I got... Um, basically introduced or a few people from the city of Chicago walked up to me and they said, hey, we are, you know, we have a grant process that we're doing called the Neighborhood Opportunity Fund Grant. Nice. And the minute I saw two people from the city of Chicago approach me mm-hmm. talking about a grant, I immediately jumped on because the city of Chicago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this is something that I have to get on the ball with. Yeah. And when I emailed them, they're like, hey, um, this grant, just an FYI, you have to have all your paperwork in in three weeks. Oh, wow. wow. So I had to do a rough business proposal and yeah. everything in three weeks, mm-hmm. um, which was extremely stressful. Thankfully, a good friend of mine, I, I, so I went to Paul University. I was okay. in the business uh, school, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of good friends that are accountants and fi- you know, in finance. And obviously, you know, I could do some of this work, but in three weeks, yeah. it's yeah. very hard. Oh, yeah. So I had a good friend help me. We got the process done. And then I think it was February of 2018 mm. is when I was told that I was able to get the grant. Nice. Um, and then that's immediately when I started moving on. Okay, now I need to get a loan to pay for the rest of the bar. Yeah. I need to get architects and everything else. Yeah. Also, thankfully, a very good friend of mine um, was an architect. So nice. her name, Jen Park, she's the one who came up with this kind of design. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, I told her what I wanted, and um, she's extremely talented. So you're sitting in what I think is one of the most beautiful bars around. Um, so I was really, really happy with, with kind of how it all turned out. Yeah. Was there a reason why um, bars and liquor stores weren't being allowed to be built in, this, in the neighborhood for what 20, 30 years or so yeah. yeah um so the reason why they were they had kind of put a moratorium up was because little village at the time um was still dealing with a lot of gang activity i mm-hmm. mean it was very bad back then yeah so i remember even as a child i couldn't walk down the street yeah um and things have changed a lot i know the media likes to kind of <laughs> hype it up yeah. But it's a very safe neighborhood compared to where it was once. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I'd love to paint that picture for all of our listeners that don't live in Chicago, like what your family has done for this neighborhood, essentially, and how, yeah. it's, how it's grown over the last, you know, you said 42 years, and having a bar like this is something very special to have. Yeah, this is the future of, of Little Village right here, to be honest with you. Um, so at the time, the reason why they basically had shut down liquor licenses is because First of all, there was a bar on, like, every corner of this neighborhood, and I am not exaggerating. You drive down any of the side streets, you're going to see those kind of small little, you know, those those pockets where you could tell (laughs) that was a bar. They're all over the place. Some of them have turned into, like, supermercados and stuff like that. But um, at the time, they had become kind of just Mm, Um, gang-ridden. There were a lot of gangs that were kind of, like, marking their territory, and they're Mm -hmm. like, this is ours now. Mm. And so it was becoming a serious problem for drug trafficking and everything Mm. else. However, as the years have progressed, a lot of people were, uh, you know, even today are still kind of like, oh, I don't know about a new bar. But if you come in here and you see what we're doing and Mm. you see the people in the neighborhood, I mean, these are young professionals that have been eagerly waiting for something like this in Little Village. Yeah. 
and you come in and it's nice. I mean, there's yeah. people coming in here dressed nice. I mean, it's like a date night, oh, yes. uh, which is exactly what I wanted. I nice. always joked around. People are like, well, why are you building a bar? And I said, well, it's easy. I said, I wanted to take a place for my dates where they could enjoy themselves. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> no, and so how did you come up with the concept of um, what we're looking at right now? If you wanted to kind of describe the... the very large bar we have looking for us, the exposed brick walls that you kind of kept in with the old school part of the building. These awesome, almost dark, olive green, a little bit of a gold light. tint, uh, yeah, light tint to it of the booths as well. Yeah. So you get a very um, 1920s, a little bit of an Art Deco vibe to it as well. Mm -hmm. I feel tall. <laughs> I'm glad you do. Thanks, man. It was the whole purpose. I'm not a very tall person, so I wanted mm. it to. There you go. <laughs> well, Speaking to me already, man. <laughs> So um, I guess if you really want to get into the design and the, and the reason why we, we created this bar, I guess we got to go back to what this space once was. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's actually the history of this building is spectacular. There's so much history back here. So if you look up to the ceiling, you're going to see this beautiful tin ceiling. Tin ceiling. Uh, you could actually, this is all bohemian-style tin. So I, you know, I, I used to live in Europe and... Um, I always loved how they, a lot of places, they still had that original tin. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was Two just in Portugal this summer. And yeah, and it's amazing. How oh, it's everywhere. Stunning. Yeah. I don't know how they were able to keep it. Two world wars, and they still have all these tin ceilings. You come to the U.S., and it's like <laughs> most people's tin ceilings are all yeah. gone yeah, and dilapidated. Gone. But in any case, you can actually see right above us where the original um, bar once was. So this was a bar okay. in the late 1800s and early 1900s. Oh, wow. Um, so there's a ton of history already right there. It's a gray stone building, absolutely mm -hmm. gorgeous on the outside. But when Prohibition came around, the bar shut down. Yep. Immediately following that, actually in the back where our bathrooms are, that used to that turned into an underground bookie joint. Okay. Nice. So, I, was, I was hoping there was some of that yeah. history activity going on here. So it's about. really cool. So when we purchased this building um, in the 80s, when my father had originally walked to the back, he told me that he saw still the metal bars and the windows where people would wow. pay. Their stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the original owner told me that the bookie joint was used for the Hawthorne race course, which is not yeah. far over yeah, here right. in Cicero. So I wouldn't be surprised if Al Capone had his hands in here. He had his hands in anything mm -hmm. that had to do with gambling in the yeah. city, yep. on top of the fact Little Village's neighbors to Cicero. Yep. So that is where the underground That's booking joint kind of came yeah. into part. Um, the basement still has some of the quote-unquote escape routes. There were five different gotcha. escape routes in yeah. this crazy. So that alone is, I think, really cool. Um, <laughs> so the basement, when I was a kid, there were staircases and stuff that would lead to various parts of the building, and I would kind of be running around in them. Yeah. I didn't know what they were. Yeah, right. You know, I had no idea, but they were, if the place were to get raided, were ways for them to escape. Uh -huh. Gotcha. Um, but one of the things that we did, and I really wanted to, to kind of highlight, is on the right side of the neon sign that we have. Mm -hmm. um, so when you're walking through the store to get into the bar, there's a neon orange sign right. with my dog's face on it, Osito. <laughs> and that kind of shows you, you know, when it's on. That means the bar's open. Mm. Okay. But what a lot of people don't notice is on the right-hand side of it, right when you walk in and you look to the right, you're going to see one of the original windows that we preserved. Okay. So this hallway cool. right here used to yeah. be an alley, used to be a gangway. And it still you could still see in there, you know, the original brick. I wanted to keep it like that. I wanted people to feel like they were walking through a gangway, yeah. an alley to kind of get into the bar. And so the window right there, the bottom is black glass. 
and the top is see-through. And this is original black glass. This is not, you know, any kind of um, plastic or anything covering it. This is original black glass. And the only thing I could assume, especially considering where it's located, Mm. it's right where the bookie joint was. So they didn't want anyone to see what was going on. But, of course, they needed that natural sunlight on the top window. So for me, I thought it was very important to kind of preserve that part of history. It's, oh, no, it's amazing. This whole bar, didn't, I mean, I didn't know all the knowledge behind it, obviously. Yeah. Preserving the history. Is there something you want to, not just by showing people, but educating your customers and people that come around here, letting them know kind of the history yeah. behind this whole place? So I do it all the time. Whenever I have customers coming in, I, I love talking about the history. People that know me know that I'm a huge history nerd. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Last night I was watching uh, the, <laughs> the Battle of Midway. Okay. Um, I'm always just kind of like, I'm, I'm really big into history, especially, especially Chicago, Chicago history. Because yeah. yeah. there's so yeah. much history yeah. here. Yeah. Um, and so I'm always talking to my customers, kind of explaining the reason, the concept. But at the same time, you know, I have to understand where we are. Hmm. Obviously, Little Village is the second largest Mexican neighborhood in the nation, the largest in the Midwest. Hmm. Um, So I wanted to make sure that we had a place that not only preserved the past, but also had this kind of modern Latin flair to it. And that's why Mm -hmm. you see some of these designs with like the metal work that I have over there um, on the walls, Hmm. or even uh, the tile work that we have leading up to the bathrooms. It's all that kind of traditional S. Spanish colonial um, and kind of Latin flair. The Mm -hmm. artwork that I have hanging up is all from Oaxaca. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I really wanted to to kind of have this fusion of uh, old and new kind of vibes and kind of keep in touch with, you know, that classic Chicago vibe with that modern Latin flair. Gotcha. So that's kind of the design. I mean, it was well executed. Thank um, you. Because from the outside, as I mentioned to you when I first got here, it seems much narrower of a space. Yeah, yeah it you does. Know? But that's also so, cons- that's just the depth of perception when you, like, of typical old Chicago neighborhoods with graystones and brownstones and two flats and whatnot. Yeah. So you, it's all elongated, but this one's just really nice and wide, and it's just. Yeah, I mean, we it's, put. It's beautiful. Thank it's, you. Yeah. I mean, we put such a amazing amount of tension to detail here um and it's just the right amount it's not overdone no by no means um so i worked with with some fantastic people uh proletariat woodshop Mm. um that that built the bar i mean the bar itself is 100 percent walnut i was wondering if there's oak or walnut no yeah it's walnut i love i love walnut yeah Um, and everyone kept telling me they said why are you going with walnut it's such an expensive species and i was like first of all it's beautiful it's wood. Yeah. And, and I remember as a kid, you know, I would go downtown, and I don't know if you guys ever did room. this, but exactly, yeah, yeah. the walnut room. Oh, I mean, how could you miss the walnut room? You yeah. go downtown, you know, you go to Marshall Fields, mm-hmm. and you would see all the little, uh, you know, the windows, the windows that they had. Yeah. still there. Yeah. yeah. And Might have had to done it this weekend. <laughs> go see it all. <laughs> and so, yeah, so what I would, you know, we would go and check out the windows and then go upstairs and, check out um, the walnut room yeah you know and it was always for me such a highlight going downtown as a kid yep. and I agree yeah. seeing all of this I would do that, that myself with my madrina and my padrino so it was really cool to do that and it was like the highlight you're absolutely correct yeah 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 so um, so that's kind of why we went with with the the uh, walnut and then my architect that I had mentioned earlier um, is extremely talented so 
She is working on the Obama Library. Oh, wow. She nice. uh, also was working on the Yeezy Park for Kanye West. Yeah. I mean, this is like, she's very, very wow. talented. So um, I had a really good crew of people that were working on here, and everybody was so enthusiastic. And yeah. um, I'm one of those people where I'm very particular on, on what I want yeah. and what I'm looking for. Yeah. So Understood. when I came to my architect and my friend, um, I already had a really nice layout for her. So mm -hmm. it made it very easy for her. I was like, this is what I'm looking for. And then even, you know, you're talking about this kind of yeah. olive green yeah. um, boots that we have, these banquettes. And I had told her, I said, I want that retro vibe. And we had looked at a couple different colors and I was like, you know, I, I want that almost like army green, mm -hmm. kind of like yeah. retro army green. <laughs> She's like, I know exactly what color you're looking for. Pulled it out and I said, that's it perfect and uh it just all kind of flowed together and it came together so nice no, it's uh, the whole bar itself as you talk about it i keep thinking of like oh this looks like a bar or there's some aspects of the bar I've, i went to in london it looks like a little bit of what you'd see in artwork in portugal or spain when walking by um with the, with the walls and the um, the detail in the corners we have with the metal and everything like that what well, gives you that bohemian or oh, different fuck, cultures good. and influences um from the past, even coming up from Africa into you know Portugal and into Spain, mm -hmm. and then with the walnut, even relating it back to the walnut room, which is such a Chicago stand, uh, you know, standby with a, yeah. yeah, an icon. If I, thank you, um, with all that, and then you still have to you're still building a little bit behind the bar, correctly? Yeah. yeah. So we we have a beautiful uh, kind of like aged mirror that's going to be going up right behind the bar. Uh, it has the same design as the metalwork that we have up okay. here. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, we, we still have a couple little touches that we're going to be yeah. putting on cool. to the place, but it's coming along really nicely. And, um, and yeah, hopefully people are excited and ecstatic as I am for yeah. what we're doing over here because yeah. it's, it's really – this bar is like nothing anyone's seen on the south side of Chicago so exactly. far. And yeah. that's why it's so that's unique. That's what's cool, yeah. Um, and I think everybody in this industry was so excited because of that. It, it, yeah. You're seeing the influences of uh, neighborhoods up north and into downtown and West mm -hmm. Loop and all those other parts of town. The, that's the west side, Logan Square, Wicker Park, and finally having something down here. Yeah, it's exactly. not just it's, it's almost it's stuck in time. Yes, yeah. it's there's 100%. nothing to this magnitude. I mean, there are some places. Don't get me wrong, but not like this. No. Not yet, at least. By no means. Um, and yeah, you know, to be honest with you. One of the big things that I that I was kind of focusing on was the neighborhood and the South Side. Like mm -hmm. I, I always told people that the South Side deserves just as nice things as people, uh, just nice things as, as what people find on the North Side yeah, of Chicago. Yeah, I agree. And I didn't believe that people should have to drive to Wicker Park or to Logan Square yeah. mm -hmm. to have a nice cocktail. It's a motherfucker to try and drive all that. It's right. Yeah. <laughs> it takes forever. I know. Because yeah. you're like, oh, it becomes a whole day event. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Jake um, never goes to any of the bars that I go to in North. He's like, it's fucking fire. I'm like, bitch, you live four out, four miles away. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And it's, he goes, but that takes what? An hour to go four it's a, miles? It's a 35 sometimes. minute bike ride sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah or, you, or you're paying another $20 each way for an Uber. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it turns it into an expensive up. night. It really starts to add up. Or you it sit does. in the bus for an hour. I mean, either uh, way. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. See, there's so many, like the north and south side are, are just so different in those aspects. Yep. And obviously, with the traffic, that's why people on the north side don't come to the south side as frequently mm -hmm. and vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, but I was really looking at, at a, you know, 
what are we missing over here? Yeah. So Little Village, the median age in this neighborhood is 23 years old. Is it really? Wow. Yeah. The median age is 23 years yep. old. Never it's the that. youngest neighborhood oh, wow, in the entire city of Chicago. Wow, never knew that. And so here's another fun fact. I love Little fun Village, facts. fun facts. I love facts, fun facts. Right? <laughs> um, I'm going to have to start doing trivia night here called Fun Facts or something. Hey, fun Perfect. Facts. <laughs> Simple, easy, right Just, to the point. But only facts that I would know. And everyone's like, <laughs> Is this true, Mike? Well, this right, I think, it's, I think hey, so. Someone told me one. You heard it from my mouth to your ears. It's true. <laughs> But um, so another thing is, is Little Village is also the most highly densely populated neighborhood in the city okay. of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. So you put those two together, median age, 23 years old, most densely populated neighborhood in the city of Chicago. Mm. And on top of it, we make the second highest revenue for the city of Chicago behind the Magnificent Mile. Mm. I mean, the neighborhood was ripe for a bar like this. Interesting. Wow. And a lot of people, I think, have oversight about that. They, they look at Little Village and... They're like, okay, it's a Mexican neighborhood, yeah, but many of them haven't come here. They don't understand. They're not in, in touch with the neighborhood, yeah. and, and that's something that I think me and my family have always been really proud of is mm-hmm. really kind of recreating ourselves, but at the same time understanding what people want in this neighborhood as well as in Chicago. You yeah. know, I, I, I bring a lot of craft and uniqueness to the neighborhood, and mm. the bar is going to show that. As we keep progressing, yep. our spirits list right now is quite tiny, but once we start getting more of our shelving in and everything, it's going to accumulate to roughly 500 bottles. Wow. wow. And was, that's what I wanted. Yeah, I was wondering about that because um, if you've ever been um, down to the store here, uh, definitely check it out because it's definitely yeah. one of the... It's a mecca. Yeah, mecca of finding <laughs> some rare things, some weird things. Um, all the agave spirits that you have too, which is yeah. the largest collection in the U.S. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and then also with all the, all the beers as well. We went all over this last time Mike was on, but definitely I was wondering if you were going to have that influence from the store coming into the bar itself. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the bar is going to be heavily focused on education. Mm, uh, I it. really do think that education is a big role in, in kind of uh, growing. It allows your customers to understand, you know, what they're drinking and appreciate it more. Gotcha. But on top of that, it's going to be focused on craft as a whole. So Great. that's craft spirits, craft mm-hmm. cocktails, and craft beer. Um, so we're kind of showcasing our products in our cocktails, but at the same time, you know, we have specialty flights that people can try out Great. and it's so unique. It's just something that that's fun and, yeah. and different. And I wanted people to come in and say, holy shit, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't find this anywhere else. I yeah. mean, uh, even this weekend, you know, we had our barrel aged beer and whiskey show. Oh, yes. Yeah. Bruachos. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it's a crazy event. I'm still recovering from it. I felt like I've, I've been hit by a truck. And that's not because of the drinking. It just, you know, I, the heavy amount of work that goes into yeah. making this event, um, it just really put, takes a toll on me. Um, but, yeah, so even yesterday, you know, we still had a lot of the barrel aged beers on tap. and. Yeah. People were coming in from various parts of, the, uh, of this neighborhood and other neighborhoods, and they're like, "Holy shit! Mm-hmm. I've never seen such an like such a crazy tap list." Or the uh, the flights of whiskeys that we're doing over here were mm-hmm. just—I mean, I was pulling out my best. Did you have a billionaire flight? Did I see billionaire that? Yeah, flight. I saw that. I'm like, <laughs> and, and just so you guys know, it doesn't cost a billion dollars. It might just, just in taste, a couple cents just, underneath. Yeah, billionaire just, in taste, <laughs> quality just shy, taste. Just yeah. shy, just shy of a billion dollars. 
but yeah, the billionaire flight was pretty cool. That was that uh, really cool. Hibiki twenty one year and the uh, Pappy uh, fifteen. Pappy tw- oh, okay. my, so, my favorite Pappy. Oh yeah, the fifteen is. See, I, people were like, "Well, why didn't you put the twenty or twenty three? And I was like, "You know what? I wanted to showcase what I thought was the best one." I love that. Yeah. And so the twenty, the twenty and the twenty three. Don't get me wrong; they're awesome. Mm. Um, but the fifteen year is so special. Mm-hmm. The, the juice you get in there is just absolutely fantastic. So yeah, so we had you know those two big hitters already, plus the old Forrester birthday bourbon nice. and uh, the Parker's Heritage eight year old, uh, which I think is a fantastic rise. So mm-hmm. I wanted to create a really cool flight for people, and um, and I think everyone was really ecstatic about yeah. about that. When you do talk about education um, in the bar about the brands that you have here. How do you see yourself doing that? Is that you and your bartenders personally talking to people? Is it having reps come in from um, certain brands, doing cocktail classes with certain brands, or what's your uh, approach to that? So I think people that are familiar with my store um, kind of realize that we love to hold seminars here. Mm-hmm. It was something that I've been focusing on for at least a good three years now is, is uh, education and seminars. So you know, we would have mezcal seminars and whiskey seminars and uh, beer seminars and and I'm kind of now just taking that and moving it over to the bar side gotcha sorry someone I must be pretty popular yeah. don't worry about it <laughs> they found them in nositos yeah, it makes it, it makes it more authentic yeah that's true. <laughs> we're usually recording at a brewery with a bunch of equipment yeah. in the background going so it's better just a little phone call action that's true the mics won't even pick it up don't worry about it perfect well then in that case what phone calls I did one at Journeyman Distillery and with Matt McClain who's their lead distiller and his phone was going off the entire time for to get back to help out with something and oh, it was a short it was a short interview and you can hear the still in the background I'm like oh this would be like romantic and a nice little environment to have but it turned out to be a little too loud yeah <laughs> it's a good 20 minute podcast versus an hour of our usual time I've, I've been in those before of stills what are we drinking on here man yeah definitely. this is this yeah is, this so is, uh, I um, this is a cherry I wanted bottle. to share something cool with you guys so I pulled out the Deadwood Tumbling Dice single barrel yeah um, it's a cherry which, bottle yeah, it's really, first of all, the packaging, I think, is awesome. Yeah, it is. I, like I mean, it. it's like that cherry red, yep. <laughs> and Let's then the gold wax on top. I mean, it's gorgeous. Um, but yeah, so this is this is our newest single barrel that we just did for Osito's Tap and Moreno's Liquors. Um, when I heard Tumbling Dice was doing a single barrel, I said, I'm very interested, because yeah. I really like what Tumbling Dice is doing, actually. Mm-hmm. I think they have some really good juice, and... It's very rare that you're going to find a barrel-proof MGP-sourced whiskey. Yep. Um, so I went through about six different barrels, and when I tried this one, I was like, this, this is, the one. is the barrel. So I purposely named it Baby Cherry Stacks. Because, Baby Cherry Stacks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so first of all, like well, I you said. Gotta the, go in, you, gotta get, you have to delve into that one, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Baby, Baby so, Cherry Stacks. So, well, it was kind of a take on a classic that I had done over at the store a while back. So okay. about four, almost five years now, I did uh, one of my first picks, actually, that I did personally mm-hmm. was from Smooth Ambler. Oh, okay. And that was a 10-year-old MGP-sourced whiskey. And that one I called Maple Stacks. Maple okay. Stacks. Obviously, I called it Maple Stacks because it reminded me of breakfast. Yep. I got a lot of maple notes, mm-hmm. and I got some citrus kind of orange notes coming off of oh, it. Yeah. So I was like, maple stacks why not and it just flew off the shelf people loved it um, and I didn't expect that I was you know I just really liked it and yeah. I picked it 
But this guy reminded me of a younger version. Okay. Mm. And at the same time, instead of those orange notes, I got a lot of cherry notes. Definitely. definitely. So instead of maple stacks, baby cherry stacks uh, just kind of went hand in hand. Both high rye bourbons, both MGP yep. sourced. I just thought it, it kind of played in. And you get that, you know, off the nose, oh, I feel yeah. like you're getting maple. Yeah, I, yeah, um, definitely. So yeah. Sweetness to it. Right? It's, like a, like it's, a, it's a cherry maple smash. 100%. With Do you get any cinnamon from it at all? I get yeah. kind of like a big red well, little meeting, kick to it. Like if someone's chewing red, okay. if some, big red if yeah. right around you, kind of If you don't smell it in the air. Red and fuck now that you say that, that's all I could smell. That's what I first had. <laughs> was, I'm like, oh. For me, it's fucked up because I went down the street to Todo de Mexico and okay. I got some chicle. So I'm like chewing on the cinnamon ones because those are my favorite <laughs> ones. So I get that already. Yeah. You know? There's a lot of smell to it. what I love about this is that the actual gum is bringing out the cherry mm. for me. Mm. And it's and it's smoothing out the maple, so I'm getting like literally a a a chocolate covered cherry cordial without the the nasty gooeyness shit that comes out. Of it. <laughs> right, I, I don't like those. Remember yeah. that shit when yeah. it sticks yeah. it all over oh, the place? No. Those are my cup of tea. Definitely yeah, very chocolatey like, and mapley towards the end too. To the finish is really out. nice. But it's very com- it's a very comforting whiskey as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, considering what, what's the proof on this? About 114. Is it really that high? Wow, yeah, I never guessed that. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought maybe 100, 102 ish. Yeah, I mean, it's. I agree. It's so smooth. It is. I mean, it's you delicious. get obviously you're getting some heat. You could tell it's higher proof. Yeah, that's but it goes ride. down like not, yeah. yeah. MGP lovely, really man. knows what they're doing. I mean, whenever I, I think try, so, yeah. When, when I try high rye bourbons, I mean, the upper echelon for me is always MGP. MGP. Yeah, it's funny when so it, you use that as a as a measuring stick, sort of speak. Um, Sorry, Jake. No, you're right. Yes and no. I would say I, I definitely gear more towards high rye bourbons. Gotcha. Um, so I think a lot of people, when they try my my picks, they're going to notice that I have a tendency to do high, more high rye bourbons. If that's not your taste, it's not your taste. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of people kind of like that. It has a little bit of the spice in the back, hmm. and it's not overly sweet, Yeah. Um, which I, you know, for me is just... That's just right. Like. Yeah, I like I like that kind of. And it's a good alternative to what's happening now at the, a lot of wheat bourbons, um, the marketplace yeah. too. It's a good alternative yeah. for all of that. This is true. That's a very good point. I, I mean, it gets to a point where when will it stop? When will what stop? The whole <laughs> hunting season, if you will. hunting season. I don't, yeah, I don't, like, I don't think for quite a while. <laughs> ridiculous. I thought you said when will it stop? Uh, uh, like like will, will it, it distillery? I was like, oh, it. he's starting to plan. Uh, right there, and Puns. I was like, I'm wearing my a little pun, a little pun, a little pun, man, a little pun, a little pun. I got mixed drinks about feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Only oh, oh, I didn't. Oh, okay, <laughs> I saw just a, I mixed, you know, about feelings. I didn't see oh, the yeah. drinks. Yeah, I got mixed drinks about feelings. <laughs> only, um, all I could assume is only Drew would have come up with this because nice. it's genius. Yeah. I absolutely love this shirt. Good shirt. I wear it a lot. <laughs> is it your Monday shirt? It's my Monday shirt, yeah. So that way people are like, oh, man, this guy. <laughs> so we've got a 42-year-old. Call it, I like to, what I love about your family space here is that it reminds me of the old school slashies up on the northwest side of Chicago mm. where you walk in through one door, you grab a six yep. pack, you go through the next door, you can, you know, or you grab a slice of pizza or you sit down and have a couple of drafts and then you walk home with your six pack. Where this reminds me of that obviously had a very much higher caliber and higher quality aspect of it. How are you will you be able to buy from this space as well, from your bars, from Ositos? That's a great question. Um, so technically, no. Okay. Um, but at the same time, all the spirits that you're finding in the bar mm-hmm. 
are in the store. Right, great. So that's kind of what the fun thing is between it. We will allow customers to bring in, obviously not whiskeys and stuff, but mm -hmm. if people want to bring in, let's say, craft beer, they could bring craft beer into the bar from the store for oh, an wow. on-site consumption fee. Great. Oh, nice. So okay. that's something that's very cool. That so is it's really beer cool. and wine oriented. Oh, so wow. That's okay. even, oh, wow. Exactly. Great so, options. You know, I have I have on tap a Mexican wine that I absolutely love. Mm. Um, it, it's Monte Janique. Awesome stuff from Baja, California. Nice. Um, and what, also what's cool about it is it's a Cabernet. So it's the only Monte Janique Cabernet you could find in the entire city of Chicago. It's only on tap, and it's on tap here. <laughs> I like those. to make myself oh, unique yeah. and different. Yeah, you are. I'm, Bring always, you. There you guys I'm always go. trying to find something crazy. In and fact, different. I never knew there was a fucking Mexican red wine. So oh, I'm I actually was quite like curious. A, I knew there's some Baja red wines. I didn't know. Like, I am. You got to try the, I have the very, red wines I'm I have. Very curious. So I have yeah, I have yeah. Monte Janique on my shelves, but you okay. just can't get the Cabernet. And actually, the other I have like 11 or 12 different Mexican wines. Yeah. And a lot of people pass up on Mexican wines. See, now we're getting into... I thought this was a bourbon show. It's okay. No, 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 no. Usually no. we're talking <laughs> movies for 15 minutes. Oh, so, movies. Yeah. I never talk about movies. They talk we, about let's not get started because I'm a big movie We buff. did a deep dive into The Irishman last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great movie. It was a little, it was, it was a little too long. Yeah. But it's, it, they should have broke it up in chapters, like chapter one. As Reddit says, too. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Reddit says, too. But, but, uh, but, yeah, no, there's a lot of great Mexican wines um, mm. that people just don't know about. And I personally try them, and I'm like, holy cow. Like, but hecho in Mexico, or are they yeah, just because no, no, of... no, hecho de Mexico. In Baja, in, don't see. Uh, most of the wineries you're going to find, the good ones are from, from Baja, California. Okay. Um, they just have the right soil and, uh, you know, the Makes terroir sense, yeah. and everything there is, is just... Perfect yeah. um, for growing wines. Hmm. Wow. I mean, the the what you're getting in in, in that area is going to be very similar climate to what you find in like Portugal or Spain. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so you will find similarities in that point. Hmm. Very cool. I can see drinking a bottle that of wine in here. That's yeah, that's right. Exactly the right place. To oh do that. no, yeah. for sure, absolutely. I mean, even me. I'm not. It's not my my go to, or it's not the first thing. I, in fact, I don't even think wine unless it's sangria. But at the same time. <laughs> You know, I'm curious now. That's that's what know, that's what it's all about is, yeah. is is kind of sparking people's interests mm -hmm. and saying, well, I haven't heard of that or I haven't thought about that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I, I work purposefully to make this bar to have a lot of things in the bar that are unique and different mm -hmm. because I want people to think. You know, I want people to say that sounds different, and I want them to ask questions definitely um, because it, they become more engaged and they become more intrigued as to what you're doing and. They start asking about products that they've yeah. never heard about, and now you've you've created long-term loyalty because they're they're mm -hmm. coming over here and they're telling their friends, you know, oh, they have this crazy stuff on yeah. tap and these crazy flights and cocktails with, you know, like Comiteco is one of the products that we have, which uh, I could talk about for another twenty minutes. Comiteco <laughs> isn't that a whiskey? So Comiteco is is a it's an agave spirit. It's, an agave it's made spirit. from okay. agave pulquero. So if you've ever heard of pulque, which is served kind of like a sour-esque, mm -hmm. uh, um, almost like a sour beer, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. as close as a naturally fermented mm -hmm. agave uh, product, they basically take it and they distill it in the same fashion as tequila. Okay. And they age it. But because it's made with agave pulquero, it has very sweet notes to it. So mm -hmm. it's perfect for making cocktails. So we add it into some of our cocktails, the nice. aged version. So oh, you're yeah, picking up some okay. of those flavor profiles of whiskey as well. Wow. 
Um, Are they used barrels then? They age yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we we purposely like we'll have a lot of cocktails here that. Um, are kind of a play on, on classics. So we have our own version of like an old fashioned mm-hmm. um, that we smoke in house. You actually, you can see the smoker right here that we use yeah, for it. Uh, we have a, a last word, except we call it last words. We literally just added an as to the end. <laughs> it's plural now because it's because we're like, oh well, it's the new version, it's and we added you know G four tequila into <laughs> it. Um, so we're we're kind of like taking some of the old and the new and yeah. putting them together, and it's it's fun. Like yeah. I said, it's experimentation. And embodies this whole place exactly very true exactly and we talked well. we talked about um having a comfortable environment for your guests to come in and ask those questions how do you feel that you create that environment with your staff where does that begin because wilson and i've talked a lot about in the last year or so you walk into so many bars and you don't have that experience or music is so loud that you can't hear a bartender the bars are so um big that you're three feet away from your bartender when you're trying to talk to them. They can barely hear, even hear your orders. So mm-hmm. how do you feel like you create that environment for your, for your staff and then also for your customers coming in? So um, the music in here, even if I were to put it at, at full volume, mm-hmm. is still at a good level, actually. With it's the surprising. vaulted ceiling, it's great to have that, too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it works really well. Um, but I have a great staff. So obviously with, I think, a lot of the notoriety that we've had over the years with the store and then all this kind of hype about this, our bar opening, there were a lot of bartenders that were very interested in working here. Good yeah. for you. Good for you, man. Um, so when I put out that kind of for hire, I got a, just a flood of people that wanted to work here. And we narrowed it down. And I think we have an amazing staff. I mean, we have some of the best bartenders around the city that want to work here. And I always ask them, you know, or I asked them when, when I hired them, I said, why, you know, why do you want to work here? And I heard a lot of the same answers. I mean, unless they're all in collusion, <laughs> I'm pretty sure collusion. that they, um, you know, that they were being sincere and, and honest. And they kept, they kept saying, well, you know, I originally was, I'm from Little Village or I have a family member from here and I really love what you guys are doing. And they said, I want to be a part of something new. Um, so I think a lot of these bartenders are just, they're kind of tired of, of the mundane same tasks. Yeah. And one of the things that I offered them here was not just the fact that we're going to have this cool speakeasy style bar in Little Village, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, we're going to work heavily on education and we're going to work heavily on experimentation. So one of the big goals for 2020 here is to get my employees on board and working together as a team to create these cocktails so that way I, they feel like they're picking up and learning new new traits and at the same time educating them. So there's, there's, just, there's a really good kind of uh, um, workflow here. Yeah. Everybody knows what they're doing. The first week was chaotic because <laughs> there were so many people that wanted to come check it out. Yeah. But we kind of figured out our routine very quickly. Um, I thought it was going to take us all the way until the end of December to get this down. Yeah. Yeah. We knocked it out in a week and a half. Wow. I mean, that's how you know that this is just like a stellar team that we have here. Um, On top of it, the reviews for the cocktails are just like through the roof. I haven't had one negative review yet on any of the cocktails, which is great. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, hmm, like something about this. I'm like, okay, you know, now I have big yeah. shoes to fill. Yeah, yeah. 
of our, you know, we all have big shoes to What's fill. Next, I'm like, yeah. oh man, now I'm sweating. I'm like, we got to make sure this next cocktail list is really you, good. You're, you're open now, and you've been open now for three, two, three weeks. So yeah. yeah. What's next, man? Come on. Yeah. yeah. That's how customers kind of feel I sometimes. Had that how was you, how was that? Um, you opened what two weeks ago? Three weeks ago? Uh, yeah. So we opened November 23rd. So that would be what uh, two and a half? Two and a half. Yeah. Weeks. Yeah. So almost three weeks. Right before Thanksgiving, then, right? Yeah. Right before gotcha. Thanksgiving. Um, we were hoping to open in October, but you know how it is. Are we mentioning yeah. that? Yeah. It's yeah. This, the city is straight. hard to uh, to get things done sometimes. But uh-huh. what was that first day like? It was crazy. It was really crazy. Um, Foolish me decided to open at noon all the way till two a.m., which is <laughs> I was like, we're just gonna have a normal kind of week. Yeah. Rather than thinking, okay, how hard is this gonna be? Not just on myself, but on my bar manager, who's fantastic, by the way, and my staff. Yeah. yeah. And it just get, got crazier and crazier as the day went on to the point where there was a line out the door from like 5.30 until 11 o'clock wow. of 30 people deep. Good for you. Trying to get in here. We were running out of product. My, <laughs> like, honestly, my bar manager was like, we might have to shut down early. And I said, that's not happening. So I started making phone calls. Yeah. My, one of my sisters, thankfully ran to like one of those 24-hour Jewel Oscos, picked up a bunch of stuff that we needed because yeah. we were running out of, of supplies. Like we wow. just did not have enough to yeah. take care of everyone. But it worked out really well and uh, everyone was really happy. Good. So we didn't have to shut down early, thank yeah. God. Good. And um, and we had a lot of happy guests leave. Good. After those doors were closed on that first night, how did you feel personally? Um I was sleeping. <laughs> I went to bed at like four thirty, five o'clock that morning, and I was exhausted. But, you know, at the same time, I think when I was in here and we were, I was cleaning up and I was looking at, at how well we did that day, um, it was just a huge amount of just relief. Yeah. Just kind of like all that stress that I was under. I mean, people that were coming in could visibly see it on me. They're like, this guy's not well. (laughs) Like either he's not like, either he's like hitting the bottle or something serious is going on, but it was just a tremendous amount of stress and lack of sleep. I mean, even right now I'm, I'm still tired. I, I, I've been working, you know, like 60, 80 hours a week. Yeah. Um, I don't feel sorry for you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's all it's all it's all part of the the vision, and I'm yeah, so excited. Absolutely, that's what um, that's, that's what that's what carries you through. That's what pushes you through. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So yeah, it worked out really well. Good Great. for you, brother. What did your uh, What did your parents think when you came up with this whole idea and this concept of starting the bar? Yeah, so um, they thought I was crazy, yeah, obviously. I was wondering. But I was like, well, wait a second. I said, I thought we were co-owners at this point. It's like the minute I signed that paperwork, I was like, okay, so we're opening a bar. And they're like, what? <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> um, so they, you know, obviously they come from a different generation. Yeah, well, of course. If you look back at like the 60s and 70s and you look back at bars, there were two kind of places. I mean, there were the dive bars mm-hmm. and then there were places that weren't necessarily bars they were more like uh lounges slash restaurants um but there was nothing really kind of like this going on i mean there there were some but you had to go downtown yep and um i kept mentioning that to them i said no i said this is not a bar for people to come and get wasted this is a bar for people to come and appreciate what they're enjoying yeah um, and, and kind of have a, a nice kind of like a date night. Like yeah. I said, I want people to come and feel like, oh, maybe I should dress up to go there. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of how it worked without me having to even tell anyone. Cool. Um, so they, they were very against it. 
up until I told him, I didn't tell really much of anyone that I was applying for this grant because I didn't know if I was going to get it. And then I mentioned to them, I said, hey, I, I just got a grant. And it was pretty substantial. And then all of a sudden things started changing. Like, well, maybe. <laughs> but I had been talking to them about building a bar in this neighborhood yeah. since maybe 2015. Okay. Um, so it's been a, it's been a minute uh, since I started talking about it. Yeah. Um, but I also, like I said, I, I saw the potential in the neighborhood, and I saw the change in, in you know, the people that were, that were here, and a, a lot of young Latinos that went out, they got educations, and they started saying, you know, instead of buying elsewhere, they started coming back. Yeah. They started reinvesting in the neighborhood, and I noticed this kind of change, and um, that's when I was like, I think this neighborhood has the potential. Mm. Um, and I, you know, with any entrepreneur, yeah. We're risk takers. Yeah. And I take what I like to say, I mean, I don't know, some people might think I'm crazy, but I take educated risks. Mm. Um, so I only gamble on something if I really am confident in what I'm doing. And mm. I was very confident. And even when I went for the loans, I got shut down by a few banks because they said, you're not going to be able to open up a bar in Little Village. They're like, it's not going to work. Mm. Mm. And for me, people that know me, I'm really competitive. I'm <laughs> yeah. so competitive. So I was like, oh, you don't think we could do this? I said, let me show you what Little Village can do. Yeah. And I'm proving the naysayers wrong. You know, I'm showing them like, hey, this is, this is a hip, cool place for people to come hang out. And that's what's so much fun about it. And that's what's exciting is, is um, kind of just bringing something new mm -hmm. to to uh, such an underserved community. Do you live across the street as well? I don't. Um, wow. I live 10 minutes from here. Okay. So I, I live in Pilsen. Right. Um, but obviously I, didn't, I don't live in Pilsen because of, you know, why a lot of people move to Pilsen. Like, yeah. oh, you know, the values are going up. I've always loved Pilsen. Yeah. I was, I'm always, I've always been heavily involved in, in kind of the arts. Okay. My sister is an artist. She's actually the one who created the Ositos logo. Nice. Okay. Um, Everyone so, loves logo, so yeah. yeah. She she you know hand drew him. I said I wanted a. She said, well, what are you looking for? I said, well, I want a caricature. Yeah. I said I want something <laughs> that looks like from the 1920s. Originally, we were gonna have him with like a little, you know, top hat or something that had that <laughs> nice. vibe. Yeah. But uh, in the end, I thought it looked great just how it was. But she had a gallery in Pilsen. Hmm. Um, I used to spend a lot of time over there. So I had been saying since I was in college, I said, man, I want to live in Pilsen. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, the more and more I look at things, the more I'm like, why don't I have a place over here? Yeah. There's beautiful houses in, in Little Village. Yeah, like, there are. Beautiful. Yep. Interiors <clears throat> are just outstanding. Yeah, I come, when I come out this way, I make a day of it, and then I just roam around the neighborhoods. You just walk about, you know, and see what difference, uh, what people are doing with the older homes. Like, they're keeping the, you know, they'll, they'll, there's a couple that have been gutted, but they're keeping the facade the same. A lot they're, of them are, yeah. yeah. They're, everything's the same. It's just the insides, obviously, to your liking and what your desires are. No, but I'm seeing even yeah. a lot of old houses. I mean, my, for example, my grandfather's house still yeah. has the original tin in his ceiling nice. for cool. his uh, kitchen. Another friend of mine has a gorgeous house just uh, on Millard. And when you look at his place... It has that winding staircase in the front oh, with wow. ornate wood nice. and like those massive wooden beams in the in the um, living beams, room yeah. mm. nice. and just like really unique classic Chicago. Like I'm yeah. talking like late 1800s Chicago. Yeah. Mm. 
You just don't see that in a lot of places anymore. No, no. people are tearing down all the. Oh yeah, all the well, there's a lot of fights of that too in different parts. Yep. You know, different hoods throughout the city. I don't where know why people you know, neighborhoods are, are doing that? You, I mean, you could tear it down, and you yeah. could put up the drywall and those kind of, in my opinion, cheaper aesthetics. Yep. But the amount of labor that went into making these oh, kind yeah. of ceilings and those yeah. old houses, you. I mean, good luck trying to recreate that because yeah. it'll cost you a million dollars, you know, to, to do that kind of stuff now. Or, or $2.37 per square foot at Home Depot, but that's just blast. <laughs> <laughs> that, sound, that sounds cheap these days. <laughs> so it really sounds like nobody from the outside of this neighborhood could have come in and built something like this. I don't think so, to be honest with you. I think a, lo- a lot of people could try, mm-hmm. but unless you really are in tune with this neighborhood um i don't think you're gonna get the you know exactly what the neighborhood is looking for Mm. i i asked people in the neighborhood what they wanted before i was doing it because even i was kind of like getting worried i said what if i'm not creating a bar that you know the the neighborhood wants and i'm not joking i was (laughs) like hey so what do you guys think and they're like oh we need leather leather you know uh boots and like talking about some of the decors that i had already had in mind and i was like okay perfect yeah i have it right on the dot like this is what sorry this is what people want in the neighborhood um so yeah, I, I think I think other people will try. I think they're going to see the potential that we're doing, uh, the potential of the neighborhood, and, and people will try to to recreate it. and And I think it's actually a good thing to have a couple other nice bars like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you need places for for young people such as myself to enjoy yeah. at night. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I mean, if you don't have some forms of entertainment, I mean, what is there to do? I and mean, that's why people leave neighborhoods because yeah. there's nothing for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start getting into neighborhoods where it's all just aging. And like, before you know it, it's like just 60 year olds yeah. on up. And that's, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with yeah. that, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there's no potential for futures in that neighborhood. Um, well, I think it's also a lack of trust too. I think for yeah. anyone to come through and, and try to mimic what you've created or what you have begun to, to create for yourself and your family, if there's if there's not a trust that's been established, mm. it's not going to go anywhere. That's You're just right. our culture. That's just our culture. Well, even people, yeah. even um, investors or bar groups outside of Chicago coming into very popular neighborhoods have failed doing that. Yes, so I agree. It's not well just said, about yes. a neighborhood itself; it's about the city kind of in a whole. Yeah. I mean, it's the most hyper segregated city in, in yeah. the entire yeah. country. country yeah. Not even the country in the world. Probably. Probably. I mean, that's that's I, how I, it's, I, that's, I would second that. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's really nuts. Yeah. I mean. And we all know the, the, the kind of the borders. You go under a bridge and it's like everyone here is speaking Spanish and then you go to the next neighborhood <laughs> mm-hmm. and you're like, holy cow, wait, where, where did yeah, I just yeah, go? Yeah. You're like in a drastically different place. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. There's a lot of beauty to it, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's super unique and I love it. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it does make it hard for people to kind of come into different neighborhoods yeah. without understanding it. Yeah. And like you were saying, um, you know, to your point, this neighborhood is so heavily... Um, Cautious. There's people are so cautious mm-hmm. about people from outside of the neighborhood trying to invest. Yeah. Because, you know, we we're afraid of losing that identity and that culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it definitely, like I said, it's something that that I don't think a lot of people would be able to do unless yeah. you're from this neighborhood and you're in the liquor industry. And there aren't a lot of people in the liquor <laughs> industry in this neighborhood. Yeah. Or we get your endorsement. You get my <laughs> endorsement. I'm not the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it could be like. Wilson's and then it like you know 
and then uh, you know, I like blessed, the you know, we'll blessed by uh, yeah. you know Mike Moreno production or some shit like that. <laughs> Mike Moreno production or start a production agency. Yeah, now I'm seeing that's, that's the next know. thing after the bars. Production agency. Do you have any other lofty goals for the future? I know this took a lot out of you the last couple years, but yeah. So I try not to to touch base too much on them, but I definitely am one of those people that I, the minute I hit a goal, mm-hmm. it's funny. I, I really don't look a couple days ahead, um, which maybe sometimes I should, yeah. but a lot of times I look, okay, this is what I've accomplished. Now, what can I do six years from now? Yeah, cool. It's pretty crazy. Um, so a couple of things that I definitely like long-term goals is, this bar has already been so popular that I would love to expand to the second floor. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, the second floor is three times the size of this, which means, and on top of it, it's, there's a flat roof. Cool. So there's endless potential wow. for expansion. Yeah. Um, at the same time, and I mean, I could have a dance floor up there. I could do all sorts of things. I mean, there's, like I said, there's, there's yeah. a lot of stuff I could do with that. Um, and then another thing that I've, that I've kind of worked on is, is really focusing on, um, online sales as well as expansion of the Morenos Corporation as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, those are those are some goals that, that I kind of have um, now just putting them in order to see what fits correctly and yeah. what, what fits right. Yeah. But just really making sure that, that we, we keep that foundation mm-hmm. and that foothold. I'm, I'm sure you guys are have heard that uh, Total Wines is trying to come yeah. in too. Yeah. Yeah, um, I was just reading that in uh, the Cranes yeah, uh, last already late, established late this morning. Of yeah, about three o'clock in the morning, I was reading that. But that's um, <laughs> but that's something that that was that was just bound to happen because old man Benny's is the last dude. There's no one else behind yep. him, you know, yeah, and no yeah. one else wants it. So well, I mean, maybe he'll sell every Benny's to me. Yeah, we'll <laughs> there you go. You yeah. They can start calling me old man. Yeah. What I know, sitting <laughs> <laughs> forty years or so. Saying Don Don Miguel. Don Miguel. No, I like that. <laughs> see, but then people are gonna think I'm like some sort of mafioso. Yeah. <laughs> see, you know what? Hey, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take right. a mafioso. People you know. already think that. So I don't know. I'm like, I'm like, what do you guys yeah. think I'm doing? Like, yeah. I'm just running my businesses. Yeah. But in any case. Um, yeah, for anybody that's listening, I mean, yeah. really, Total Wines is, is such a negative. Mm. I mean, it's 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 horrible for a market. It's like the equivalent of of really like an Amazon yeah. coming into a market and just killing every business yeah. around. Now, thankfully, we're large enough where I think we could, and on top of the fact that we're in the center, like yeah. literally the center, mm. and you have the loyalty base too. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah, that I that we would be able to weather that. Mm-hmm. But it would be hard for us, and I know that if it was hard, if it would be hard for us, all those little guys that are out there, yeah. yeah, I mean they'd just go extinct. And what a lot of people I think always forget is that independents are the backbone to not just the economy of this city, but to the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone. I, that's why I find it funny that they're always giving tax breaks to these large corporations. Well, you know who the ones that need the tax breaks? Yep. <laughs> yeah. The middle, like the, the, the you small know, business yeah. owner. Yeah. Because we're the ones that actually will utilize those tax breaks yeah. to grow the business. We're right. not like, oh, we got a tax break. Let's go take, you know, a half a million dollar vacation <laughs> yeah. and yeah. go golfing. You know, yeah. we actually reinvest it. And exactly. we're the ones who, who hire all these people. Right. And so for me, it's like, that's such a, uh, an important topic mm-hmm. because, it's really, really dangerous when you start having these players. Like people are like, "Well, aren't you? What about Vinny's?" And I'm like, first of all, Vinny's is family run." Still family run. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, they are big. There's definitely times where they do things that I might not like. Yeah. yeah. However, in the end, 
I think there's a mutual respect between Binnies and the independents mm-hmm. um, where, you know, I've, I've had Binnies literally send people to me because they don't have stuff. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I Absolutely. mean, I think that's great. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, when you know the family and, and you see what, what they're doing, they're not out there to just decimate. No. The, the market. They've just been able to do what you're do, beginning yeah. to do is just expand their business. Exactly. You know, where exactly. they can further, you know, that long branch into, into other neighborhoods, you know. But I think you're right. I think what you have to, what you have going for you, Mike, is the fact that you have already an established name. It's a family name, and that's big in our culture as far as Los Hispanos. Your last, your name is Bond. You know, so you've got that already in this neighborhood. Um, it's passed on to a generation. You're being the second generation owner of it. And then the loyalty that comes with that. Mm-hmm. And then I agree, you, you will weather that if it were ever to come to that Thanks. point. I hope so. Um, <laughs> I'm will. sure I will. will. Because but. we're loyal dudes um, to a fault. I'm loyal to a fault. And that's where you can't mimic that. And that's where someone else of that magnitude comes into this. People speak with actions. No, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Uh, I guess to throw you know. like a plug in there, yeah. um, the wine and cheese place. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them down in St. Louis, but oh, okay, it's a fantastic, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think they have two or three locations now. I think it. I think they have three, um, but the wine and cheese place is a really, really well-run liquor store down there mm-hmm. that does a lot with craft beer and yep. whiskey and mm-hmm. wines. Obviously, wine. I'm assuming. A lot of cheeses. Yeah. I, 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 I never gone in there cheeses. for the cheeses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they're, they, uh, they were able to sell sheets of cobalt. Yeah. <laughs> I love cheese. Yeah. Let's not get into that. Like yeah. I said, another, another day. But in any case, um, they have been able to weather uh, the total wines that have moved into St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that has to do with that kind of brand loyalty because yeah. they're so attuned with what their customers are looking for down there. I mean, mm-hmm. I love the concept of what they're doing. Um, and their prices are, are competitive. Yeah. But at the same time, like I said, these are kind of places that they're not coming into the market and saying, okay, we have a huge kind of backing behind us when it comes to um, our funds. Mm-hmm. They're not drastically cutting their prices where the margins are so slim. Mm-hmm. You know, Total Wines has the, uh, the capability of doing that. It's a multi-billion dollar yeah. corporation. I mean, it's East Coast to and the uh, Midwest. Yeah, area, I so. mean, I don't find that to be <clears throat> fair play. I've been saying for years that I really do think there should be, in at least in Illinois, I don't know about the rest, but I think there should be kind of uh, price floors where you can't go under a certain price. Mm. I think that it would be great if we had some form. I'm not saying, you know, to an extent where it's like... A, I don't know exactly where that price floor should be, yeah. but there should be some form of price floor. Hmm. Wouldn't that interfere, though, with the three-tier system in the sense that, because now you're dictating, not dictating, but you're kind of massaging what a price point should be where now it doesn't, it doesn't benefit everyone equally. True. Yeah. I mean, I think, so, like I said, there, it would have to be played with a little bit, but if it, it could be put in law, for example, where, hmm. let's say, someone wants to run a hot deal. Okay. You know, you could run sales, mm-hmm. but it can't be year-round sale Zero, yeah. oh, or okay. six-month sale gotcha. or three-month sale. Like, okay, you want to run a one-month and sale or something. A maximum okay. rate where it has yeah. to end at some point, yeah. Exactly. Okay. That makes sense. That does make does. sense. But yeah. I've noticed people exploiting to the point where they're like, they're making 50 cents sometimes. <laughs> um, and I'm not talking about anyone that, that's competing with us, but I've seen places where they're literally making oh, yeah. pennies yeah. Yeah. just to run other people out of business. Hmm. 
and just to garner that business yeah, for someone and else. I, first of all, that's a crazy <laughs> risk. I would never. It's a risk too because it's a one-time deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you get that one time, and if it goes that well, guess what, guy? That's the last time you're ever going to see that. Exactly. But you're now here. You know what we're all about. The Costco Chances model can't are. work for everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's definitely you know. controversial when yeah. I talk about it. There's a lot. Floor. No, there's Costco a lot of loyalty, though. No. Even we're uh, but looking, I think it should be visited. Yeah, when we were discussed. looking into entering certain markets with my brand, um, we were told, if you guys go into Total Wine, all the small guys won't buy you. And mm-hmm. that's because everybody wants to buy in their neighborhood um, in a certain market. It's a lot easier to get to those. It's a city where you have to drive around. Yeah. So it's I'm not going to drive, you know, 10 minutes total wine when I can walk down the street or just take a quick little drive um, down the street or on the way home to my little local store That's and true. pick up a little bit of like groceries too, something small that you need. It's not just about the convenience of liquor. It's the convenience of your life in that sense. So yeah, hof- hopefully that um, if that ever is the case in Chicago, people will stick to the loyalty of what they know. Well, I mean – the independents kicked out Total Wines once before. I think we could do it again, yeah. to be honest with you. Chicago is yes, a tough market to yeah, get into it is. because of the independents. Yep. I think we're a lot more powerful than most people yeah. understand. Outside of Chicago, I don't think independents have been able to stop them. One of the reasons why you see Total Wines not in Chicago and in the suburbs right. is because Chicago, we don't mess around. You know, We, mm. we have a lot of say. Yep. Um, and so the Chicago way, man. Yeah. <laughs> so if they want to come in into yeah. Chicago land area or yeah. into Chicago, um, you're, you're going to start seeing a lot of independents kind of pushing back because we stick together. I hope we so. Know how it works. Um, just because in my neighborhood, for example, in Lakeview, man, if the retail um, retailers and retail investment um, folks don't get their act together every week. There's somebody closing down a local shop, and there's just always empty spaces on our street. I mean, you go down Broadway right now; it's just empty space after empty space after empty space. Mm-hmm. And the only people that are going to be able to afford those rents are going to be big box chain stores, unfortunately, yeah. because the ones that are lasting right now, it's those bigger, bigger. The gap's still there, you know, yep. like J Crew's still there. You got Taco all those places, Bell now, yeah. Though. But then you have places like Argo <laughs> T closing down, yeah, Taco Bell opening up. Yeah. Um, Reckless Sucker had to move because they couldn't afford the rents anymore. Small bar are closing down because they can't afford the rents and people are just jacking up the prices. The rents are crazy. Yeah, and if you oh, and the, with the rents of just the retail, it's, it's the rents to live around there as well. People aren't going to are going to live around there in yeah, that place. Yeah. So hopefully developers can wisen up as well and realize that hey, you're going to price everybody out eventually. Yeah, true. You're, you're not going to be you're not going to be sexy anymore. Well, we've yeah. uh, taken up a lot of your time, Mike. Um, one thing I wanted to tell you just about your last episode. My dad, who was an educator in principle for his whole entire life, but also an artist like to the heart his whole entire life. He uh, was always a painter and writes a little bit of his own music. When he actually listened to your uh, episode with us, he's like, hey, could I write a story about Mike and his family? Because it's just <laughs> such a touching piece. And that's like, it's kind of the best compliment I can give you guys. It's that <laughs> it reached out to other people. I had many people reach out to me and say, hey, like that was an awesome story to tell and hear about a family like coming up through and through together. I mean, in the city. And it's also in the Midwest, too. Kind of reached a lot of people out there with that. Yeah, I, oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, like I said, for us, it means so much. Um, the industry, the neighborhood. I mean, we, we take a lot of pride in what we're doing and customer service and everything is, is so important to us. But yeah. Yeah. it's very hard to find that to kind of have businesses where a family is running it together and running it properly. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of headbutting. <laughs> and even, you know, even with that's us. That's family, though, yeah, bro. Yeah, that's exactly, family. Exactly. Yeah. But, but knowing when, you know, with, with us, like, yeah, definitely we'll have some headbutting, of course. Mm-hmm. But. We understand in the end, you know, familia es todo. Like, we're, you know, in the end, it's blood. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. don't let anything get in, the, in between that. So 
Um, but I, I, I greatly appreciate that because yeah. it means Rumble. a lot because we, we really do care about what we're doing. Cool. Well, let everybody know when they come, can come to Ositos, yeah, what's come. happening with Moreno's as well in the near future. Yeah, thank you, guys. Um, yeah, the Ositos Tap is open six days a week, Tuesdays through Thursdays. Uh, I'm sorry, through Thursday. See, this is yeah. what happens. Monday, going more battles, Thursday. Don't worry about it. Tuesday <laughs> through Sunday. <laughs> um, we're open on weekends till 2 a.m. Uh, most days we're open at 2 p.m. except uh, Saturday and Sunday we open at noon. Nice. Now the uh, during the weekend hours or after hours, uh, is there a secondary entrance? Yeah. So we have so we have two entrances into our bar. Um, we have the kind of secret passage in the back of the store, which is always really cool. Mm -hmm. right. And then at five o'clock we have the side entrance, which is on Ridgeway, which is exactly where our bar is, yeah. um, where you walk through the hallway. And the hallway, like I said, it has this kind of old vibe. It looks, I wanted people to, to feel like they're walking through an alley. Yeah. Um, so at five o'clock every day, the side entrance opens up so people can walk through there. Nice. Cool. That's dope. Anything yeah. going off the shop you want to plug? Um, not that I could think of. Just come, my come by I your mean, holiday got, Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we, we, <laughs> just, we also have, yeah, Bruracho <laughs> just ended, which if you haven't been to that, you have to come because <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, everyone always seems to love it. And other than that, I mean, I guess we, we also have our Elijah Craig um, Stay Puff Barrel Select. Oh, cool. oh yeah, I saw that earlier. Yeah, yes. so that, that one is, is really cool. I called it Stay Puff obviously the state of marshmallow man mm -hmm. and it has a lot of marshmallow <laughs> notes which is what i love Sweet. about it awesome <laughs> well mike appreciate the time thank you for joining us once again um for uh, wilson torres of union horse distilling co the brand representative of the midwest and just serving all of chicago land so you can get your tasty whiskey out of lenexa kansas uh and for myself jay cookie who i'm representative of star Wars distillery um out of australia thanks for listening and really support uh appreciate the support and everybody else cheers have a good week Thanks, guys. Salud. Salud.